Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Eastern Approaches. This is our 10th episode, so we probably should have a party or something like that. Or we can go to the Setama region in Estonia because I hear they've got a ton of parties going on there, Ben. Party Central. What what happens in Setoma stays in Setoma. Let's make this let's make this a deal. So we've got another guest on our program. Uh, her name is Helen Kulvik. Uh, she's from Tartu, Estonia, and she's going to talk to us about the culture lifestyle of Setu, which I'm guessing most people know little about, but that's why we're having her on on the show today. Um, I didn't know much about this uh, group of pe people, this culture, uh, but 13 years ago when I was going to Estonia with my father, I was looking around just for, for other things that I hadn't seen or been to in Estonia. And I was looking at the Southeast region because I'd been there once and I liked this uh, Tartu city. And I thought, oh, oh, there's this in the Lonely Planet and the other guidebooks, they talk about this Setu culture. Um, and I think I, I think I was just Googling it and I found, oh, hey, hey here's this woman. She's a Setu. She's, she's a tour guide. Uh, uh, great. I'll, I'll learn something and see something completely different uh, to Estonia and to, to Europe. So please welcome Helen. Thanks for joining us, Helen. Hello. Nice to meet you. Or nice to see you. Yes, good, good to be back after 13 years. <laughs> That's right. So Helen, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, about uh, what, what you do uh, as far as uh, um, tourism goes? Uh, give us just a, a bit of an intro. Yeah, uh, I'm Helen, and uh, most of the uh, time I live in uh, Tartu, which is the second largest town of Estonia, uh, located in South Estonia. Um, but I'm actually working uh, in the Seto Institute, uh, which is based in Varska, which is uh, almost as far southeast as you can go in Estonia, very close to the Russian border. And I also um, uh, guide people around. So I'm a tour guide of the area and kind of, kind of as a hobby, kind of as a uh, side job, but uh, actually working in the tourism is uh, really something that I love the most. And I absolutely love when I have guests over because they always give me the reason to uh, go down to Setoma again. So that's probably why I love this, uh, this work so much. So I have to confess, Helen, that when Andrew first mentioned we're going to have someone on the podcast to talk about Setu culture, I said, what the heck is Setu culture? So for my own you know, education and for anybody listening, can you give us a brief introduction to what is this Setu culture? Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think um, like almost 100% people of the world don't know anything about Setu culture. So <laughs> you are not an exception <laughs> in, this, okay. in this sense. But uh, basically uh, Seto is a culture or let's say Seto people are people who are living on the border of Estonia and Setama, uh, mostly nowadays living in the southeast corner of Setama. And uh, it is a nation that is, um, has always been living on the border, uh, on the border of two cultures, uh, of East and West, and also on the border of two uh, religions, Orthodox and uh, Protestant cultures. 
And uh, by ethnicity, they are Fennoyugric people, just like Estonians and Finnish. Um, but uh, it's a set of people that kind of uh, separated from the big family tree a little bit earlier than uh, some uh, uh, other Fennoyugrians. And, uh, you know, since they have been living on the border of Estonia and Russia, they kind of share uh, influences from both cultures. Uh, in a very broad sense, we can say that nowadays most Setos have a double identity. They identify themselves as Setos, but also as Estonians, because most of them live in nowadays uh, Estonia. Uh, and in Russia, there are only a few hundred, maybe 200 people left. And they speak a language that is a Seto language, that is um, basically a dialect of Estonian. Um, there are many loan words from the Russian language, uh, but uh, it, it is not close to Russian, so it is, uh, uh -huh. the language is related to Estonian. But uh, the religion uh, is something they share with a Slavic culture. So while Estonians uh, at first used to be Catholic and then Lutheran and let's say now mostly atheists, then uh, Setos have been Orthodox for almost a thousand years. So that's something they share, uh, share with their Russian neighbors. Uh, so these would be like the, the main things that, uh, that make them different. And uh, since they have been living really out far on the border area for centuries, um, the culture has been very well conserved because hmm. they have been away from the development. And, you know, in a way uh, for, for the traditions to remain, actually being away from development is good. So nowadays uh, we can speak that uh, Setos have this, you know, very rich culture. They have their songs and wear their national costumes a lot. And, and uh, you know, the small language and everything, you know, there are just, there's so many traditions uh, here to, to experience and to learn about that. Uh, uh, but actually this uh, living away from developed areas has helped uh, these traditions to preserve. And that's something that uh, nowadays uh, we put a great value to. Absolutely, I can imagine. Go ahead, Andrew, sorry. No, when I so I was there in early November, it was like late October, early November, 2007. And I, rem and I, I think it was by just by happenstance that I was there when there was some kind of procession or um, celebration or some kind of festivities because I was able to see all these people dressed up in their different traditional um, uh, attire with I believe it music and other things like that is there mm -hmm. some I don't know if you, if you can remember that but is there some kind of holiday or festivity that's in that time period that's, that's you know what, I, actually it's a good question and I kind of had uh, difficult to answer because Setos love to party and we have so many calendar holidays. I think there are like 65, uh, you know, church related holidays, and then oh. there are others. So it's actually very hard for me to tell if it was in the end of October, it could have been a big fair, but actually today on uh, uh, November 11th, uh, they are celebrating uh, uh, St. Anastasia's Day, Memorial Day, which is also related to, you know, procession around the small chapel and then they're singing and dancing in front of the chapel. So uh, maybe it was that 
I, I can't remember. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I will. Um, yeah, but we I, have, and we, I will put we do have a lot of parties. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that many. I didn't really know they were such a party people. I will definitely put up some photos from that so people get an idea of what we're talking about on the uh, Eastern Approaches um, Facebook page. Sure, uh, I, can, I can send you uh, some uh, later pictures, which are even better. I mean, you that, can send me my, your pictures. That would be great. And we, we can send you some, you know, more recent pictures with better quality, perhaps. <laughs> so do you do you, do you take part in, in these type of events sometimes? I mean, obviously, you couldn't probably do it all the time because it seems like quite a few but is it something that you would go down to and and uh, or uh, and take take part in oh yes absolutely and uh, since uh, I spend uh, at least three summer months in Setoma we have a house there and uh, I go down for work you know all the time it's only an hour drive from part two so it's nothing really uh, so yes I try to take uh, part in many holidays and especially in the holidays that are more local or around the area where I live so let's say that uh, uh, every church and every chapel has its own uh, um, patron saint so for Obinitsa which is my church uh, our uh, this say holy day or holiday is August 19th which is called Transfiguration Day so that's uh, the most important holiday for the people of Obinitsa like me mm. so I always go there like absolutely every every single year it's the, first of all there is a, a ceremony in the church which is followed by a procession around the church and then people just go to the cemetery and they just uh, start to eat which is again something very different it's a very old Fenno-Ugric habit uh, that has been uh, uh, washed away by Catholic uh, religion uh, in Estonia and elsewhere in Fenno-Ugric countries, but in Setoma it is preserved. So can you imagine eating or having a picnic on the cemetery to commemorate the, your fa dead family members? That's, that uh, actually sounds like something that I would almost expect to see like in Mexico for Day of the Dead yeah, celebration. They, yeah, yeah, it is actually very, very uh, similar to, uh, to that uh, day in Mexico. Yes, like uh, I, I, when I saw the film Coco, I thought that, oh my God, this is so similar to what we have. Yeah. Interesting. There needs to be an animated movie about the Seto people then as yeah. well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With our colorful I'll... costumes and the silver clinging, you know, well, that would be quite awesome. Exactly. Yeah, they, they always make to... sequels, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you're like, we'll pitch the one like, uh, it's like, yeah, we'll set it this time in Estonia. And then they'll be like, wait, oh, wait a sec. There's like 1.4 million Estonian speakers. No, we need a, we need a, we need a larger audience there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so, Helen, so Setoma is this area, this Setoland area of kind of southeastern Estonia over also into the Russian border. Um, and that's where the culture still has its home. But for you, were your both parents Seto or, or how did you kind of get to so deep into the cultural traditions? Uh, no, actually, I am originally not from Setoma, okay. but it just happened that when I was in, a student in Tartu, uh, I, I became friends with uh, some people who were from that area. And then later, when I got together with my husband, uh, actually, uh, his roots are from Setoma. Hmm. And uh, so, I, and, but I kind of got involved because I knew English. 
And about 20 years ago, when all this happened, it was uh, uh, such a situation that most of the people uh, did not speak English there as a second language, because uh, of the proximity of uh, Russia, the local people would you would speak Russian as a second language. So they really needed me. And I got like really drawn to the different projects that required English and then started to do tour guiding because there was some um, and demand and it kind of uh, just just kind of developed like this and then we got our farm and now I'm really really in the community member of the community I cannot say that I'm a seto but I am definitely member of the seto community interesting um and so here's a kind of specialized question coming from my own background so I when I did my doctoral degree I wrote on nationalist movements in 19th century Europe and the Czech lands in Germany and Norway. And so there's very common kind of, uh, you know, patterns of this like national awakenings as they call them in a lot of countries uh, in the 19th century. And I wonder, is it something, did something similar happen with Seto culture where it was, you know, they didn't have their own state, but it was a culture where it was still around and suddenly there was these people driving cultural consciousness to try to codify and preserve the traditions and that, kind of the origins of, you know, um, organized Seto culture as a as an identity go back to like these some movement in the 19th century. Is that roughly how it went? Uh, no, actually not. Oh, uh, the Seto uh, awakening. Yes, we can uh, definitely speak about the Seto national awakening, but this happened much later. This hmm. happened only in 19, uh, in the end of 1980s. When Estonia started to become free and when the Soviet Union collapsed, it was, uh, let's say, in the end of 90s, beginning of uh, end of 80s, uh, beginning of 90s, that's when the the awakening happened, not before that. Actually, uh, the Setos didn't even define themselves as Setos, I think, until maybe 1920s, 1930s, when the area was first. Um, uh, united with Estonia, because during almost a thousand years, the Seto area belonged to the different Russian states. It was mm. almost always part of Russia. Hmm. And only in 1920, when Estonia first became uh, uh, independent, then this area was uh, united with a new, freshly founded republic. And uh, then, uh, let's say, the, the first... Uh, well, well, kind of some identity was formed at that time because uh, they had to be, these people who lived there had to be named somehow. Huh. And in 1920s, the most people were still illiterate. I mean, uh -huh. can you imagine that 100 years ago? And yeah. still 100 years ago, Setos did not have even family names. They huh. only were referred to by their first names or the father's name or the farm farm name. So it was a huge step forward in 1920s. But, but uh, in Soviet time, the Setos were really looked down on. And they were, um, and they didn't want to identify themselves as Setos because they would get picked on. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of uh, people who, let's say they were from Setoma, but they moved elsewhere to Estonia, then uh, they would not say out loud that they were Setos just to protect protect themselves. 
And that that wasn't a, a, a Soviet thing. It wasn't like, oh, well, they're persecuted under the, the Soviets because it sounds like they didn't really come out with their own identity until um, the end of the, the Soviet time. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not so much only related to the Soviet time, but it, what, what did happen in the Soviet time was that uh, uh, talking entire dialect, whether it was Seto or Vuru or some other dialect, was uh, forbidden in schools. Uh. So the kids could become punished if they talk to their mother language in school and not in the, let's say, state language, which, which was Estonian. And uh, then they kind of start to realize that maybe, you know, that the, the kids realize that, okay, it's not a good thing to be a seto or to uh, talk in seto language. And for some reason, it was this uh, uh, image was created that the setos are kind of dumb and, mm -hmm. um, you know, they are, they are not as developed, you know, which in a way was true. But... <laughs> And, and you know drunkards and or what else and it's, yeah. it, it and then in 1980s they started to break those stereotypes and now they have uh, or let's say we have done a really really great job and Setama is really a rising destination also for tourists from Estonia so mm. in this, this summer we had huge crowds you know because people couldn't go abroad so they came to Setama instead and it's really uh, everyone is looking at us you know in Estonia that wow you have such a good tourism spot there and you're so developed and in all your tourism things and people really want to come down here and people are now also starting to look again for their roots so if now they can find that maybe their grandparents were setos then this kind of gives them uh, the right to wear the seto clothes and, and come mm -hmm. to the seto events and their people are increasingly proud to have this kind of uh, ancestry so is the setu population then kind of growing with some, some some people like coming in and saying hey i'm 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 qualifying as a setu because of you know whatever their ancestry and this is this is extremely difficult to define uh, because uh, as of now we don't even really know what is the population of setos today because sure. during the last poll that we had in 2010 uh, the estonian government uh, uh, did not enable us uh, to mark your identity or your nation as a seto. You right. had to choose either, you know, Estonian or Russian or whatever, but not seto. But they did have an uh, additional question, do you understand seto language? And 12,000 people marked that box that they understand uh, the seto language. But uh, this doesn't really give this idea, you know, I, I understand seto language, but I'm not ethnically a setter. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we have now a small um, administrative uh, unit, which is called a Setoma municipality, with uh, around uh, 3,000 people living there. But actually, most of the setter people, they live outside of this municipality. So the set, most of Seto people nowadays live outside of the historical settlement area, which is kind of interesting for a nation. If you if you go to Tallinn and and speak Seto, 
like how how much would a, a, a normal Estonian understand, or would they yeah. understand nothing? Actually, they they just uh, did a test a few days ago, <laughs> so that <laughs> they picked up some you know you know set of words and they went did some video testing in Estonian. Yeah, it's uh, of course you can understand some, but there are certain words and they're also the setup of the sentence is a bit different. Uh, so Estonians. Uh, from Tallinn, yeah, they love to listen uh, to that language, but they definitely do not understand it thoroughly. So when right. I have guests, uh, let's say from Tallinn, and I have the local uh, local people that, have, that we visit uh, talk in Seto language, then I can see that they try to understand, and they sometimes, you know, make the face that okay, I, I understand. But then I'm asking, what did she just say? And they go like, I have no idea. <laughs> Please help us. <laughs> So it's quite different. And how, how do you, how is the language sort of passed on now? Is it only really in families or is there actually some kind of instruction in schools in the language? Uh, we have a few uh, lessons in schools, but it is way too little. There's only like, um, not even every year. I think there's only in like maybe maybe in fourth grade, like three hours a week. And so, hmm. so not, not every year. Uh, and this is, a, I would say, the most urgent problem related uh -huh. to the Central nation, that the loss of language. Uh, of course, the loss of vocabulary has been huge. And, the, you know, even the young people nowadays who can speak Seto language, their uh, vocabulary is already very limited. And uh, they kind of uh, use Estonian words where they're actually used to be a Seto word, but they don't know these words anymore. So this is a huge problem. Uh, we are issuing uh, some Seto language uh, publications in uh, our Seto Institute, and we also have a monthly newspaper, which is issued in the Seto language. Uh, but other than that, it is uh, very, very little. And nowadays, it's there are not many homes where Seto language is used as a main first language because, you know, what happened to these kids who were in school in the Soviet time, they were prohibited to say, uh, speak Seto language. So they switched on to Estonia not to be punished. And th those are the people who are the parents now. Mm -hmm. So this, uh, this connection has been stopped, which is a really, really pity. Yeah. Do, do your children, I'm assuming they do, do you, you speak it at home and your children speak it? Uh, no, we, we actually don't speak it at home. Oh. Uh, we speak Estonian, especially since uh, Seto is not my mother tongue, so I also have to learn it. And I, I do speak it, but of course not fluently. <laughs> uh, but they definitely know more about Seto language than an average Estonian. They know, you know, mm -hmm. words, and I see that it's uh, a little bit easier for them to understand, but uh, they, do, they don't speak it, yeah. I would say nowadays there are very, very few, if any people, if any, if, if any young people who speak uh, Seto language fluently. Mm, interesting. I'm sort of not surprised. I mean, I just it's the pressure of, you know, the internet and uh, and you know learning languages which are more widely spoken. I, I understand is is uh, kind of really hurting these minority languages all over the world. I guess. Now, at least in contrast to, say, Soviet times, it's at least you're free to kind of 
pursue the community organizations and speak the language publicly and that kind of stuff, I'm assuming. So it's even yeah. if maybe, tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe even if the Estonian government say isn't that supportive, uh, at least you're free to you know organize. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just that we, we have a, also a serious lack of teachers mm -hmm. who are now able to teach the Seto language because in order to teach, you have to know so much more what mm -hmm. to teach. So uh, I would say that we have this different programs and projects. Actually, we are just now working on a project which is called Heritage Teaching, which also involves uh, language teaching uh, together with, you know, these other elements of culture. And uh, I would say the main obstacle is just finding the uh, teachers who are able to pass those things on. So you, you've given us kind of an overview of, um, you know, Seto culture, where it is, a bit of its history. But I wonder, Helen, could you maybe mention one or two things, um, like examples that just make Seto people and Seto culture distinct? Well, I would definitely say that Setoma is a hidden gem for tourists. Mm. It's an undiscovered pearl. And there is uh, definitely no mass tourism, and I think there will never be any mass tourism. So I would say that when, when a guest comes there, what, what, they, what they often tell us is that they experience uh, undescribable uh, hospitality. They feel very, very welcome. In, in sector culture, it's very important that you mm, that you treat your guest with uh, respect and with uh, friendliness and uh, with absolutely gorgeous food. So when people come there, that's always something that they tell that they felt very welcome. They well felt very warm and very uh, also having a very personal touch to everything. So that's what I can almost guarantee that a guest uh, will experience there. But um, well, let's say, uh, I would say that uh, um, when a guest comes to Setama, they kind of uh, feel like uh, taken back in time a little bit. Mm. Um, because uh, still nowadays it is a very rural rural region um, with those customs there that maybe belong to your grandparents or you know to your childhood. Like I would even say that for you, if you come to Setama, you might be able to experience something that you experienced in your childhood. Hmm. Uh, and in Setama, those uh, kind of traditions they are still alive. Uh, people still do a lot of cooking on their own. We go to the forests, we, we drive the foods and everything. Everything is very down to earth. Hmm. But of course, we have to speak about the singing because that's what makes the Seto people different. Uh, the Seto way of singing, which is the Seto Lelo, it is enlisted on the UNESCO list of intangible cultural heritage. So we definitely do have to talk about it because it is something that is very unique in the world. It's, um, I would really suggest for every guest to try to find an opportunity to hear Setolelo because it is enchanting. It is absolutely fabulous. And uh, usually when uh, women are singing, they're wearing their absolutely fantastic national clothes. 
And uh, one fun thing is actually uh, when uh, the guests come, there are a few places where you can try on the set of clothes. And I think this is something that I would suggest for uh, for guests. Uh, when when a group arrives, then we usually put one of the group members into set of clothes, and it's amazing transformation that a person goes through. I mean, it's hard to ima even imagine that actually clothes can change a person so much. You have one person, you know, wearing their jeans and t-shirt at first, and then she or he will be entirely different. The posture, everything, absolutely everything changes in a person. And then the people who, who do this workshop, they, you know, speak about the culture. And when, when this one group member goes through this trans transformation, you have learned so much about the culture, about the values, about uh, what you read, you know, in, in, a, in clothing. Because let's say when a set of women is dressed up, you can tell by the clothing whether she's married or not, um, uh, whether she's poor or whether she's wealthy, and you know all these other things, whether she's working or going to a party, everything is there in, in the clothes. So that's something that I really, really suggest. And then uh, what I love, uh, I love taking my guests uh, uh, to the small chapels. Um, which are called tsassan in Zeta language. And um, I think this is quite uh, different because uh, when you normally go to your place, you don't think of visiting a chapel. I mean, of course, you normally, when you are abroad, you might go to a church, you know, Notre Dame or something like this. But in Zeta we have those small chapels, which are very important part of the culture, Orthodox chapels. And they all have their um, patron saints and uh, respective holidays. Uh, but you can visit those small chapels with a tour guide. And they are those also very enchanting places with the candles lit. And then the local chapel caretakers tell their story. And I have seen that people love going to these uh, little chapels because they, they don't know what to expect. And then they always you know, come out with a very kind of a positive energy from those. It's something different. It's something that you, you know, don't do so much on travels, you know, going to a small, small chapel. It sounds fantastic. And I, I'm going to go and look on YouTube and see if I can find any of the, the, the Seto uh, Lelo. Is that this, was that the word? Lelo, yes, Lelo. yes, Lelo, yeah. Lelo, yeah. Helen, uh, what if I'm going to a celebration or a, or a, one of these seto parties or just as a guest going to have lunch there? What are some what are some of the things I might eat and drink in uh, setoma? Um, yeah, of course. When when you come there, the first thing is that uh, well, you obviously know that, but uh, we we always tell people that uh, be respectful of the local traditions. Uh, so we actually don't advise to come with a big group, but rather with small groups, because it's uh, these holidays are very personal, you know, people go, uh, go to their ancestors and have meals together. But uh, what uh, would you get to eat? Well, this would be mostly things that are comfortable to eat, like maybe sandwiches, some uh, grilled chicken, then different pies. Um, Setos uh, bake a lot of pies. They are open pies normally, either salty or sweet. Then there would be meatballs, uh, 
black bread with some herring and maybe some egg and then definitely uh, a cottage cheese snack which is called sir. This is a very distinct uh, set of food. It is made of cottage cheese, uh, eggs and butter and then pressed down so it kind of uh, forms chunks and you eat it as a party snack. And then, you know, a lot of candy. And of course, you will be also offered uh, some uh, drinks, uh, including alcoholic drinks. And in a set of tradition, it is a nice thing or, or what you would, would you, it would be good that you know that uh, when you are offered a drink, you, even if you don't want to drink, you take the glass in your hand, raise it a little bit and say like, Greetings, or you know, whatever, and then you hand it back to the one who offered you that, because this is a uh, this is taken as an act of uh, politeness. So it is impolite to just refuse and you know, shake your shake your head or something and say no, 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 no. But you you take this glass in your hand even if you are not going to drink. Uh, we have uh, also some uh, local drinks. One of them is called Hoinja. It is uh, distilled from rye, so it's not moonshine because it's made of rye. It's okay. uh, just weighed twice, and it's like uh, 60, 65 degrees. So it's very, very strong. Mm, wow. But uh, very tasty, actually. Very, very tasty. Uh, do, do, do you have... Um... Do you do things with, because I'm kind of thinking, and I might be not correct in this, be thinking that you would have a lot of berries and things like that in, in that area. Would you, would, you do, would you do some kind of like alcoholic drinks with, with different fruits or different berries? Uh, traditionally, uh, I don't think this has been a habit there. Um, fruits and berries were mostly dried uh, because in you know, even a hundred years ago, you you okay. couldn't, you didn't I... have sugar, you didn't have sugar, so uh, uh, there was always a lack of sugar, and those dried berries and dried fruits uh, were the uh, source of sugar over the winter. So I don't think they wanted to waste those good things uh, for alcoholic drinks, especially sure. since uh, these would also need sugar to, you know, start uh, start the process. So we don't have uh, that that tradition. Um, so what would what are good times of the year to come visit this corner of Estonia, the mm -hmm. Setuma? Well, our party season, if you want to experience some parties, it uh, starts uh, uh, with Easter, I would say. Uh, in Seto, in Seto culture, uh, fasting is very important. So before Easter, there's uh, this uh, seven week of uh, Lent. So nothing happens during that period. But anything starting from Easter, you know, it, it can depend when, when it happens. Sometimes it's in April, sometimes it's in May. And it's, uh, it's not at the same time as in the Western calendar. So actually the Seto calendar follows uh, the Orthodox calendar, which is two weeks behind. So you have to uh, keep that in mind. Uh, but that's uh, that's the time when the party season starts, and that's when or the church holidays start. I would say that May is very good, June is very good. Of course, uh, July and August are the warmest months, 
but uh, they can be pretty crowded. So I would say also September, I would say actually September is absolutely fantastic. And still the first part of the uh, first half of October, very, very nice, uh, you know, colorful, all those yellow and red leaves. So I would say from mid April or even from the beginning of April um, to mid June, and then maybe the last days of August uh, till September would be the best. We have lots of events and holidays and festivals uh, during August and uh, July. So if you want to experience, you know, some bigger festivals or events, then of course, that's that's the time to come. But if you want to avoid the crowds and really be able to enjoy the personal approach and, you know, have a little bit less uh, people around you and have people time to uh, dedicate themselves to you, then uh, I would say a little bit off season is the best. But of course, you can also come during the winter time. We, in winter, we also have a few holidays in uh, January and February. And of course, in Nordic, it's very beautiful when it's snow and, and everything. And what of course, solstice? it would be very personal. <laughs> Sorry, Helen. What about yeah. the solstice time in, in June for solstice? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's uh, that's also a very good time to come if you're not afraid of insomnia, <laughs> because it's so light that you can hardly uh, you can hardly sleep. And I know that uh, uh, I don't know if you heard that, but they, I don't, you don't even have to include that. That uh, uh, the film uh, Tenet was partly filmed in Estonia, and the actors were really going crazy because they could not sleep <laughs> during the so, yeah, but uh, but uh, around midsummer would be also good time to visit uh, because it's of the long nights and uh, long, long days and uh, just a lot of light and beautiful nature. All right, Helen, uh, thank you for coming on our show. But but before we we go, I'd like to learn. I think Ben and I both would be interested in learning a few words or phrases in uh, Seto language. And could you help us out with that? Yes. Uh, what would you like to say? Okay. Well, I think I think the one the only word I know in Estonian is thank you, which I believe is tanan, if if I'm not mistaken. Tanan, tanan, tanan. or aitach. Okay. So but, so but in, in in Setu, it's, I, I want to see if it's different, and I'm assuming it is. It's tenna. 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 Or aitjumma. 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 Yes, you're doing good. Aitjumma. I think this is even easier. Aitjumma. Aitjumma. That, that one is, actually. Um, and what about, what about like a good day? Just like a general greetings or a good day? Something like a hello or? Yeah, it's tere. So in tere. Estonian it would it is tere, but in Seto it's tere. tere. Well, it's like with an e eh in, in the end. Tere. 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 Nice. Tere. Okay. And how about goodbye? Huva aigo. Huva aigo. Huva aigo. Huva aigo. Huva aigo. Okay, mm. that's a harder one. <laughs> <laughs> that's when course, you just say ciao, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And another one of the most important words in any language besides please, uh, thank you, is please. So how do you say please? Uh, palla. 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 Okay. 
fantastic. That's great. I you you have taught me a lot today, Helen. I'm I had no idea about any of this, and uh, it's fantastic to get to learn about one of these I think least understood cultures in Europe. And you, I cannot imagine a better like ambassador for that culture than you. Well, thank you, and I sure hope that you will come here one day and experience it all yourself. You're more than welcome. I definitely am and will. Helen, do you want to give out uh, uh, contact for yourself um, and perhaps uh, Setuma um, Tourism? And then I will also post these on our Eastern Approaches uh, Facebook page so people can click on the link directly or email contact directly to you. Right. Uh, well, in Setoma, we have our own uh, small tourism board that uh, incorporates about uh, 40 local tourism enterpriser entrepreneurs uh, and it is called uh, uh, Setoma Tourism but their web page is Visit Setoma so it's it's very easy Visit Setoma as a one word dot ee and uh, when you check this out they have their web page in uh, in English also in Russian also in Seto language and of course in Estonian so uh, from this web page you can get some general ideas about the places you want to visit because all of the different activities and um, you know accommodation and places to eat uh, you, you can look down from there and uh, if you want to come to Setoma I absolutely suggest that you uh, take a local guide with you because it's quite uh, easy that you travel around Setoma and you don't learn much because it is a culture that uh, you, you have to learn about the background from someone mm. um, because otherwise you would just not uh, you know, get the full experience. And uh, for that, we have also a list of guides uh, on the Visit Setoma webpage. But of course, you can also contact uh, directly me and my contacts are given on your Facebook page, I believe. Okay, thank you. All right, well, we, we, will, we will give those out to everyone. Um, thank you so much for for coming on board. It was great to catch up because um, I we haven't I don't think we've seen each other since two thousand seven, no, and I no. and, and I think that was my my I, I've been I've been to Tartu since, but I have not been to Setuma since then. And I I, I I have a photo of like you with your your boy who was less than a year, and you said now yes, is what? he's what half a year old. Yeah, six months. Yeah, and now he's thirteen, I guess. Thirteen, or, yes. Yes, and uh, I think uh, I think you took you took my dad and I to your um, to your country home, yes. your home in the yes, in did. the countryside because I have some I have some pictures of that. So yeah. those those are some things I will I will post up for people to see. But it's it's really great to catch up again. And thanks for being on our on our podcast. We appreciate. Yeah, it. well, it was a pleasure, and it was definitely an honor. Thank you so much, and I really really hope that the wider audience will learn more about Setoma and uh, take the time and come to the experience and uh, discover this absolutely fabulous and uh, mysterious region in Europe. Well, I hope everybody learned something about a um, barely known about culture today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for learning with us. Uh, and uh, I hope you enjoyed exploring these new corners of Eastern Europe. I am Ben Curtis. As always, you can find me at benjamincurtis.me. And I am Andrew Valone, last time I checked. And you could find me at savortheexperiencetours.com. And both Ben and I 
on guidecollective.com. So look for us there. We both write and our podcast is there as well. Thanks for tuning in and hope you, hope you come back next week.